it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's good. That's good? Do you want to know why it's good? No. I got to have dinner with a friend. I picked up the dog today. Mm-hmm. Um, not physically. She's heavy. Mm-hmm. But I could. I could. Right, um, you've been working out. I'm working out. The one specific muscle for picking up dogs, which I guess <laughs> is the biceps. Um, uh-huh. Maybe a bit of forearm. But I was going to say, I've also officially adopted this dog. Oh, dang. In that I have paid them money. <laughs> that being the primary difference. I think that's fair. Um, I'm watching the bar at the bottom. You're just like eating your microphone. I mean, it's like impossible. It's going to be impossible. It's your job to balance it this week. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm going to let it do auto leveling, right? I'll just be like, "Ah, it's fine. It's still going to clip. You're going to lose a little bit of quality. All of my effort goes into spending three hours picking an intro and an outro Mm -hmm. that anything else I pick would be fine. But I want something that I like. I mean, that's fair. I usually just download a couple like OSTs all at once and then pick a song from each thing mm-hmm. uh, last time uh, we had like mango on for an episode and i was like i'm just gonna grab the entire sims <laughs> we'll see that sounds like that can be bad to have um, but i congratulate you we talked for an hour beforehand i explicitly asked like how's the dog doing and uh, dave managed to not spill the beans that it's an official adoption so it's a big deal i i posted that in discord <laughs> I don't really have the time to view, <laughs> view, wow, view Discord right. anymore. Um, I actually did not see that. Is this under cute animals? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, and there's a bunch of reactions. I'll, I'll just up all these reactions. Fine. When was that? So, yeah, that was just, uh... two, 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 two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the TLDR um, is I was essentially doing a, a dog fostering type thing while she was undergoing some treatment still. I was like, oh, she's kind of a butthole at times, but she's she's my butthole. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have two buttholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's just, she's cute. I like having her around. She's currently just asleep in the dog bed, but it's, I don't know, it's nice having a little, little pet little buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good that uh, that's that's basically the tell is like once you in you enter, you get to the uh, the crossroads of the fostering process. Are we going to continue this or not? Are we committing? like do i like having you around yes no right all of these considerate all of these ups and downs and all of that under effect um, i mean honestly i was worried for a bit yeah just because like she was getting into some trouble um when she wasn't created mm-hmm. and i was like okay we have to start creating um a little more liberally um but she's actually been a lot better with it that's good like uh, when friend came over and we went out for dinner I'm like, hey, listen, sweetie, baby bubble cakes. We need to go out for a little bit. We'll be back. Mm-hmm. But you get into some shit. Can you please go in the crate? And she went in first time instead of like, dang, going to the other end of the room, pretending she can't hear me. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. That's a really good sign for sure. Yeah, I think fostering is a lot like um, it's all like a courting for humans like um there are people who are just like oh you shouldn't live together before you get married that's insane to me it's actually insane like i i I generally think like a lot of different approaches can work towards for any of that sort of situation people pairing up whatever with their partner but 
just straight up like not knowing people on their off days and their good days and stuff like that before you make that commitment is actually insane to me. This is the, this is where I put my foot down and be like, that doesn't sound right. Because like everybody's a little bit different in public. Like I have a public face mm-hmm. as far as like if I went out to a restaurant, I'm not going to be saying inappropriate jokes or being super obnoxious and loud because right. I realize I'm in a public space. And other people are there, they might, I'm not trying to be offensive. Mm-hmm. But if I was just at home with friends, like anything goes, really, right? Yeah. You're not worried about other factors. Um, right. But going to marry somebody just based on their public face, it's just like when you call your grandmother, you're like, hey, grandma, how are you doing? Uh-huh. Like you've never sinned a day in your life, right? Yeah. Um, it feels, yeah, weird. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of bit like of a facade. It can be. It definitely can be. And I mean, if people are being completely true, then yeah, there's plenty of opportunities where it's not going to, maybe it wouldn't necessarily impact something. The other thing though, while while I brought up this topic, so I'll continue to segue off of it, that I'm not super understanding of, but I can get it for like a religious reason or whatever, is like abstinence before marriage. Um, But this isn't because it's like, oh my gosh, it's insane that you guys aren't having sex. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's actually, or some people hold that belief. I don't believe, it. but it's like if it's there's a danger, especially of like with Christians, of like mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we got to rush marriage because I'm horny, <laughs> right? And I want this to resolve to something. And so you could like look over red flags or yellow flags or like school buses that you're running over on the way to like end up somewhere. And that's why there's like these really quick turnarounds on marriages and stuff like that sometimes, where it's just like. We just rush to that. Yeah. Um, I I have a friend who went through something kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not abstinent specifically, but they kind of rushed into a marriage, they would say. Yeah. Um, and it did not pan out. Grant, that was like over a time. It wasn't like a, a snap. Oh, hey, shit. Type mm-hmm. thing. The Vegas marriage. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It feels... I guess when you're in that space and that's your world, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, uh, you have two options. Um, not have any sex before marriage and marry this person mm-hmm. or have sex before marriage. I'm like, let's have sex before marriage then. Like, right. I don't yeah, know. I feel like, like it's a it's a part of a relationship for most couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so just making sure... It's just like making sure you have like a dialogue and conversation, right? Yes. Yeah. You don't want to have nothing common, nothing you can talk about. In the same way, like you want to be able to express affection mm-hmm. in different ways, one of which is physical. I feel like, yeah, you got to be on the same page with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes out for just living through somebody. Yeah. What if and there's like- somebody who lets the dishes soak? Yes, I'm that person. Um, <laughs> right. But I it's live just alone. Sunrise. So it's sun. <laughs> the problem is both me and my wife uh, are people who let the dishes soak. So occasionally we're just like, all right, gas mask on, whole hazmat suit. Let's go run the now, dishwasher. Question. Do you ever do like a, a drive by pass where you're like, 
I should add a little bit more soap to that, and like uh-huh. you, you do a little bit of hot water wash. Too. I, I I do I do. There's <laughs> additives. Cleaning additives buys you a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, the thing for us though is we don't have like a ton of utensils and dishes and stuff, so we actually have like a capacity problem where it's like, let's have dinner. There are no plates. What have we done? Okay, well I I see the issue. Right. Let's let's go ahead and take care of this. Um, but yeah. I do want to clarify my position slightly in that uh, I'm specifically like, it's fine if people want to wait, don't let anyone rush you into anything you're not, you know, ready for or whatever. Um, And I even think it's fine for people to choose like not to have uh, extensive physical intimacy and things like that um, while they're courting or, or leading towards something. The thing I would advise against is letting your hormones in pursuit of that thing like redirect you into a relationship that you otherwise wouldn't pursue right that's the thing it's it's tough to know if you're in that position or not if you're just like does kind of suck that we're not having sex right it's like yeah we should get married you right right so um but yeah that's just our our relationship advice that's just what you get from post nut clarity Uh um crap for me Yeah, I think in general, before making any type of important decision, you should uh, resolve yourself mm, okay. uh, and yeah, maybe yeah. maybe wait a day, right? Mm-hmm. It's most decisions you will have to make in life are not going to be, hey, you have 10 seconds to decide. Otherwise, it's gone. Yeah, that's what marketing will do to you. But honestly, you still can go back and buy that thing whenever, right? Mm-hmm. So sleep on it or just wait a little bit. Don't rush into decisions that are going to be important. And you can derive from that you you would be screwed only literally not uh, or only figuratively, not literally at all. If your religion is like abstinence before marriage and also masturbation is a sin. If you're in that, there's no you're in a no win situation. You're never going to achieve clarity. <laughs> you're doomed. <laughs> it's, it's all it is. But uh, no, I, just I, subsisting I, off of wet dreams. <laughs> yeah. How did you sleep last night? Ooh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, why do you always answer like that? Why? This isn't just strange. But yeah. So anyways, that's a relationship advice portion. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just have to uh, ignore the main quest. I'll that's be honest. <laughs> you, you sent this to me as a message. I responded with the emoticon nani uh-huh, and then you never all. followed up <laughs> um, um yeah so usually we don't have the uh, peek behind the curtain a little bit we don't usually have the title in mind when we record the episode because then you can have the most appropriate title possible right um because you're like oh we just we just talked about frogs for an hour and a half uh we'll call this one frogs right um but I had the thing I wanted to talk about, which is my critique of Nightingale. And you have your thing you want to talk about, which is the announcement for the DLC for Elden Ring. And I assume that's the only thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so both of those are things that are not the main quest. Or after explanation, hopefully you guys also agree you're not the main quest. <laughs> um, and then also I was just thinking about it. I was like... I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about this idea of doing, getting to do what you want to do in a game. And 
man, like that question or that idea just really applies to both Elden Ring and Nightingale. So framing, framing. How do you like Elden Ring? I think it's a pretty good game. Uh, <laughs> I, I've enjoyed my time with it. Mm-hmm. I am very much so looking forward to the DLC, Shadows of the Earth Tree. <laughs> the Earth Tree is actually... <laughs> is I was thinking of like how do you how do you how do you put those words together? It's like the Erd DLC or something. Yeah. The Erd DLC, Erdical, Erd DLC. Yeah, it's something that we've been kind of. I mean, we knew it was going to come out at a point, and then they announced uh, just like a picture a year ago, um, mm-hmm. and now we actually have a trailer for it and oh, yeah. a release date, and it looks cool. To be fair. It would be very hard to not make me think it looked cool, right? Because um, I just like how they do things. Um, I was stick figures in the kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> be like, nice. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you guys see the stick figure boss? Holy shit! Uh-huh. Um, that was the original orphan of cost. Was just the stick mm. figure design. They're like, maybe we should mm. flesh him out. Literally, yeah. Um, it could be an eldritch god. But yeah, it's been very fun to kind of watch content creators I like in the soul space mm-hmm. uh, kind of explore it a little bit. And Vati Vidya is pretty much the figurehead of that community. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that he's getting is typically also being fed from his own research and then of other people in the community, um, uh-huh. his patrons, etc. And there's just like a lot of cool stuff with it. Because yeah. like, what was funny was talking to several people who watched the trailer. They were like, I think this guy in the trailer with like the flames, I think that's Mikola. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like, okay. And then you watch at the end of the trailer, it's like, hey, if you want to do like this pre-order edition, you can get a statue of this character uh-huh. who's not named Mikola. And I was like, maybe it's not Mikola. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's over two big. years since the, first, yeah. since the game released. This is this is a long time to wait for DLC. Um, how how is that? How is the wait for a Shadows of the Erd Tree changed your expectations of what it'll be, if at all? No, no, <laughs> that wasn't even a yes or no question. No. How was? And you're like, no. <laughs> I honestly like. I didn't have enough stuff to start theorizing off of in the same way with Silk Song to a degree. Sure. I just know it's coming at some point in the future. Yeah. And whatever that point is, I'm looking forward to having that experience. Because mm-hmm. um, what did we have prior to like the actual announcement? I think we had like a still image of yeah, just the person with long hair on a tree, or on a on a steed going toward a tree. It, it was Mikola on torrent in the the Shadowlands. Um, yeah, Badlands, Shadowlands, uh, Shadowlands, uh, Lands of Shadow, something like that. We must never go there, says Mufasa. <laughs> Um, Everything the light touches. <laughs> yeah, that's your dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what about you? Like, if you have something announced with granted little information, mm-hmm. does the longer wait make you kind of forget about it and then you're pleasantly surprised later, like finding a $20 bill in your jacket? Or is it, does it kind of drive you insane? Like, when the fuck right. is Silk Song coming out, for example? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question cuz I think I think I agree with you as far as Silk Song. Like we saw some gameplay from Silk Song a long time ago. That was in the teaser. 
Mm-hmm. And so it makes it feel like it's a lot closer than it really was because <laughs> Shadow of the Earth Tree is apparently coming out first, right? Or if if Silk Song if Silk Song beats it, it's because it like shadow drops or something, which would be cool. I'd be all for it. But I kind of don't expect that. Um I mean on one side you have like the extreme of something like Cyberpunk 2077 where they announced it and it was just a teaser for a lady who goes cyber psychotic with Mantis Blades and then is taken down by Mac by Max Tech, right? That was six years <laughs> before the game came out, if I recall correctly. Um that's insane. Don't do that. That's right, like I, I assume you forgot about it after like a couple months. I mean, kind of, I guess. Uh, but it really depends on like, I don't know, you can give people the impression that things are further along than they are. And if you don't know that a game can be announced and then take six years to come out, like, yeah, you're going to be disappointed by that if it's big. Now, I wasn't like huge into cyberpunk, so I'm sure that's maybe like not as drastic as it could be for me. But then once it came out, I became a big fan and stuff. Um, I really, I really like games having a short amount of time from mm-hmm. announcement to being able to play it. Um, because yeah, it's when you announce it, that's when I'm gonna have that level of interest and get pulled in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this looks cool. I would like to play this, experience it. When is it coming out? Yeah. Now, if they say anything that's like six months to a year, I'll be like, okay, cool. And then I will catalog it back. I'll never see it again. At some yeah. point, be like, this game came out. I was like, oh shit, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, hey, this comes out in like a month. You're like, okay, I can. Who else wants to play this game with me? Yeah, I think you kind of get the the ball rolling on the hype. Yeah, and if it one... was longer than that, especially if you're excited for it, like Silk Song, which I think is having that experience with the community. Mm-hmm. It's we saw a thing for this. You said this initial date, and then it wasn't that date. Then we haven't heard anything else, and then every time that there's a direct, everyone's like vibrating in their seats and then posting clown emojis um yeah it's it's very much like i think uh, at a point you can reach kind of like the valve problem if it's a hotly anticipated game where it's like okay whatever the next half-life is the next half-life episode the next half-life version whatever it has to like the more time that passes the more people's hopes and dreams and whatever are caught up and compounded and put together and like I mean, there's going to be people who legitimately are not as sold on Silk Song when it comes out just because there's no way it can live up to this anticipation that's carried for so long, right? There's a game, uh, I'm going to call them out for giving them credit just specifically for this and probably nothing else. But like the the one that I can think of that did this the best recently, that's not Hi-Fi Rush, that was literally a shadow drop. That's... It's impossible to beat that for turnaround from acknowledgement to satisfaction, right? was like Fallout 4. I think it had like five months or something like that from the time that it was announced as a game to when it was playable. And that's insane. Like people don't do that anymore. They're like, oh my gosh, think about how much our stock could have been growing. Yeah. Right. I Um, think part of it is like with pre-orders, um, for the game, let alone special editions in the case of Elden Ring here, for the DLC. I think that definitely drives some of it where they want to announce earlier mm-hmm. uh, to try and capitalize on that. And then, as we've seen with some AAA titles, 
um, they don't necessarily follow through on right. delivering that finalized product at all. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge pile of shit, which is yeah. unfortunate. Um, at least in the case of FromSoft, they have a really great track record with their games and their DLCs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um. It is kind of But I haven't even pre-ordered it. I mean, that's fair. It's or a wait, DLC. Or did I? No, I did. Shit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's something... So the, the list of comfort of comfortable developers to pre-order their content like shrinks every year, I think, right? But like FromSoft is still there. If they miss, then you can go... You can add them to the pile of people you don't pre-order for, right? But when it's always a hit, like... I don't know. I think they deserve some of that rep. It's when people pre-order games that just turn out to be duds that it's like, why would you encourage this? Um, but yeah, I mean, it does obviously always involve taking a risk. And if you choose never to pre-order, that's fine. We live in an age of digital distribution, right? So it uh, doesn't normally hurt you that much if you have good bandwidth. Um, I do think it's interesting that this was announced so long in advance. And I almost wonder if they usually wouldn't have done that if it wasn't kind of how the industry just does things now. Um, Cause I don't recall them having such a long period of time between like previous well, DLCs being announced to a release. I'd have to check the timeline on things, but I believe actually, do you know this? Did they release armor core six before they announced the DLC? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I know they announced armored core six. Um, or I'm pretty sure they announced when was Shadows of the Erd Tree announced? Yeah, it's possible <laughs> they had um something else in the pipeline for that. Yeah, this is like the top result is a uh, is a week ago, and I don't think that's accurate. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Because everybody's talking, people have been talking about it for a long time, so it's hard to pick out like a particular article. Well, I think um, that kind of answers your question as to why they do it early. Mm-hmm. Is especially when FromSoft games are so sparse as far as lore and where to find it. Um, letting your community theorycraft that, I think, is honestly part of the fun. Yeah, uh, but it also will drum up hype. And especially for how fucking big Elden Ring was, like huge fucking game. It looks Both like its size and its a uh, adoptability. It looks like it's actually almost a year to the day of our recording of this podcast, uh, February twenty eighth of last year. That's when it was announced. So they're gonna have like the announcement. The game was out, I think, around February. A year later, they announced the DLC. And then a year and a half or so after the announcement of the DLC is when the DLC launch. Um, which is like, it seems like a little bit of time. Yeah. It's not six years, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you said, it keeps people thinking about it. It keeps people talking about it. It keeps Elden Ring at the forefront. I think for DLC, it's also nice because it knows that you know that the game is not done if the DLC is announced, you're like, okay, well maybe I'll keep trying character ideas. Maybe I'll make sure to stay on top of builds or whatever. You don't like just put it in on the shelf and leave it there forever. True. So 
Uh, yeah, I'm it'll probably be good. Still very excited for it. They're definitely going to do more stuff with sleep mm-hmm. as a status effect. Uh, there's definitely some new Crucible Knight abilities that they were showing off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have some new weapon types. Yeah. One of which is a fucking repeating crossbow. Um, Evelyn. <laughs> it has to be in every single game. Yeah. It's basically the Moonlight Greatsword at this point. Yeah. I just I want to hear more about the the lore side of things because we know Mesmer is a uh, another one of America's kids. Yeah. And Mesmer is a great name. It's also an excellent class in Guild Wars. So that's pretty cool. Um. Yeah. I and we know that uh, we know that this is prop. They I think they said that this is the biggest DLC they've ever made and released. Which at first you're like, dang, nice. And then you like think about it a bit and you're like. Were the previous DLC actually that big for like any given Dark Souls? And generally not. Not really. They're, they're kind of small. Yeah, like, like you can put some good time into them, but they're not huge. Yeah. Like um, Ashes of Ariandel. Literally a painting. Yeah. Just snowy landscape and then a oh. couple buildings. Also, it's literally impossible for me to ever think about the painting from Dark Souls and not associate it with Super Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, it's just a... <laughs> oh, yeah, you jump in. <laughs> yeah, um, ripples. Yeah, and... Um, but yeah, this is actually a very big game. Oh, yeah. like, it is open world, so the DLC for that will also be open world. Mm-hmm. Um, they said it's going to be very dense, even compared to the world of the base game. Um, which is like that's a lot um but yeah you're right if if you would have picked up like the uh i can't remember the dlc for prepare to die edition of dark souls it was something artorius it's not just night artorius it's something like that but ulasil that whole place if you were to just grab that and drop it and you're like this is the uh this is the elden ring dlc people would be like what have you done <laughs> there's nothing here right so Three i can understand and- it people <laughs> yeah i can understand it taking more time for that so hopefully this is you know a continuation of the the elden ring experience because i must admit i haven't actually played that much elden ring i've only beaten it like one time i think what yeah for me the first playthrough was like anything goes um so i was doing mimic tier and giant bleed weapons mm-hmm. and then the second time i went through i'm like you are not allowed to use mimic and i was like but it was fun to like uh put a challenge and try and do a specific build with limitations um i i've done or started some other runs like that Mm -hmm. i just get distracted but it's definitely worth going back re-experiencing some of that so that's the question is we know or we probably know that the dlc is going to be something that you probably access after millennia no, um, no, we know that that's not the, the case. The conditions are you have to have killed Radon, okay, and you have to have killed Moog. That's very late game. So the reason that I got confused here was because I killed Moog, and then I killed Melania, and those were the two things I did at the end of the game. <laughs> that was after like the main story and everything. So with I the saw standard progression. Yes, there is a, a gate to Moog's area from the Snow Plains, which is the DLC area, which I think connects. Not DLC area. 
it's the optional area, which then connects mm. to a halo tree. Um, but you can get there earlier. Yeah, I learned that. I learned that later, but that was like specifically NPC side quest stuff. Yeah, but also like the level it. that you can access it there. Uh, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it was really good to farm souls there with a yes. wave of gold. <laughs> Lots of you've beaten the game right i had beaten the game yeah. again <laughs> yeah before right. i even made it to moog i was like well i it think does seem with, like without just... the wave of gold you can do something like shoot an arrow at yes. like a giant enemy from far L- away lure or will, one of the dogs it will suicide list. itself yeah that was pretty good too um but i still can cons- I, I still i still maintain moog is as far as power scaling He's expected to be like one of the last three bosses you fight. Like if yeah. you beat him early, you can. You can beat any of the bosses early in this type of game, but like you're gonna have a bad time. And specifically, Moog is also like, hey, I am draining you dry of health. Yeah. Imagine doing that with like only having 50 health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he starts talking to you in Latin, you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad time. What if we didn't? I'm a piece out. <laughs> Um, so, so the, the, what I was leading to this though, before my factual misstatement, um, was, are you going to make a character before the DLC drops that you intend to play the DLC with? Probably. Yeah. Um, just because every time I go back to a game and I load up an old save that I have not played in such a long time, Mm -hmm. it feels weird like i don't have the context of what i was doing mm-hmm. and now i'm just like a very high level person with some items okay like i don't have that attachment to keep going back to it mm-hmm. versus oh this one's fresh in my mind this is going to be my character or build that will go into the dlc right now of course i still have the option to switch it up um but i'd honestly rather just have something kind of fresh in i'm just trying to think if i want to do those fights again yeah Mm -hmm. but honestly for the practice i don't think it's bad to uh just go back and replay some content yeah yeah i'll probably i'll probably make a checklist for what i want to pick up for the character and get them in a pretty good spot before then because like if if moog is the like one of the the gates to get in here um that would put it towards some of the other dlc that had been released uh such as the ring city or um again i can't remember the dlc for um dark souls one um but like they all intended you to be in the end game for dark souls one it required you to fight an enemy near the hydra in like that lost lake area or the 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 lake near the um dark root basin i think it's called yeah um which is not too lit end game but then to reach the archives which does specifically require you to get the Lord Vessel and go out there. So you're at least like approaching end game. And and Ring City is the end of the game. And I think Ring City and Moog are kind of like equivalent there. So if you start up a character and you're like, I'm just going to rush the DLC, I suspect, and I could be wrong about this, when you end up in DLC land, it's going to be like, hey, we tuned this area to 300%. <laughs> like, these enemies have a ton of health. They do a ton of damage. Yeah. You're gonna have I think that's time. safe to assume. I think in an interview they said that uh, in addition to you still being able to gain levels and put points into different stats to increase your 
damage output potential. Mm -hmm. They're doing something kind of similar to Sekiro, mm -hmm. where you can essentially have like a flat power increase right. when defeating some bosses. Because Sekiro would like upgrade his weapon, right? With the uh... Well, yeah, it's like a flat, you cash in the the one whatever boss spirit. And it's like, ah, oh, you got this memory, and then your attack power just goes up. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, That's I think for that type of option on top of the existing scaling, it mm. really would have to be endgame. Also, it's kind of weird, too, if someone's like, oh, I just did this many-armed fellow. Uh, oh, what's this door? And then it's just the most random of stuff that has deep lore implications yeah. to things that you have not experienced yet. Um, uh -huh. It would be really funny if you're just like, oh, yeah, it's just everything's a really low level, but it is giving you this attack power. And you're like, it's just the twink dungeon. You just go there if you want like a ton <laughs> of power and then you come back out and destroy the rest of the game. Uh, twink funny. dungeon sounds like a, a club I went to when I was in uh, this in Canada. <laughs> gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Very friendly. Uh, question for you. Sure. So obviously we know that Mesmer is going to be a main antagonist. He's mm -hmm. on the box. You see him doing moves against the player character, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Who else do you think is going to be there? Or who would you like to see? Mikla. Same. <laughs> there you go. Um, um, uh, no, I confused your name with the, um, uh, the boss because Melania Blade uh, of Melina? Mikla. Is it Melina is the firekeeper in this one? Yes, but canonically, um, she's dead. No? Uh, I don't know. It depends on what they mean. Like, when does this happen, right? Because you can beat Moog before she's dead. Right? True, but if it's at the, like, the true end of the game, you've set the fire mm -hmm. with her. Um, that's true. She, she she could be dead. She could be dead yes. at the point that you play in the DLC. Um, I mean, I don't know though, because I I still this is my hope to answer your question. It would be cool to have more of her character mm -hmm. because she never really explains too much. She she the all of the Dark Souls games have this. She's the Emer Emerald's Herald or whatever, the Firekeeper, or whatever. But they do a better job of fleshing out her character, I think. Um. And she, in some of the endings, is very much like an interesting character that seems like it could even lead into. We're we're talking in spoilers for Elden Ring. Doesn't matter. Game's been out for twenty years at this point. Um, I'm specifically thinking of Frenzied Flame, yeah. right? Because in Frenzied Flame, it's just like, oh, I'm gonna freaking hunt you down. It is now my job to eliminate you after you've betrayed the world, basically, to yeah. Frenzy. Um. And if not Shadows of the Erd Tree, then when, right? Like, how long are they going to make DLC for this game? So I, I would like if she had a role to play here, if she was still alive at the point that the story happens. Okay. Also, she, uh, she's, she is the one that delivers Torrent to you, right? So that's like another, or am I confusing her with Ronnie? No, uh, Melina gives you the... The whistle, whistle to summon, and then Ronnie gives you the spirit calling bell, and yeah, she's also because like, she because you have Torrent, yeah. But it was given to you by Torrent's former master, which is Mikola. So mm -hmm. Mikola is involved in the storyline, um, 
which is cool because mm-hmm. if you look at Mikkel lore, which is very cool. Yeah. I honestly would also like to see well, granted, I think this is still a physical place. Sure. Uh, that we're going to in this DLC. And I think it's in the same universe. I don't know if it's like a pocket dimension type thing. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the thing. whole point of why I'm saying this is I would love to see something with Godwin. Mm, okay. Because Godwin is such like a hey, they murdered him at the beginning cutscene, and mm. here is his like super weird tree corpse throughout a good portion of the game yeah um i would love to see if they had like a maybe it's a shadow remnant of him or something Mm -hmm. because you is it is it godwin am i misremembering one of the um the ever jails has no it's not godwin it was one of those guys yeah i was was like it's one of the guys with the same exact name because they have the stupidest names in this game but um Okay, Godric was the one in, in the Everjail. Yeah, Godwin is the the sibling of Mikola and Ronnie and Right. Lillian. He's the one killed with um, Yes, the Black yeah. Knife. Yeah. Gotcha. So I agree it would be cool to con- So we're going in different directions, right? I want to see what happens kind of like towards the end of the main mm-hmm. game with some of the characters involved then. And you're like, I want to see some of the stuff that happened and the inciting events that kicked off Elden Ring, which I think is fair. I do think yours is more likely to come true because it's kind of easier to fill out the past than the future uh, when it comes to games like this, and they like to do that also. Um, and I also I have a feeling there could be one more DLC. And if there's one more DLC, that could be the one that comes afterwards in the same way as like... Um, uh, again, uh, twin, Ring City for Dark Souls 3. I mean, I wouldn't hate if they made more Elden Ring content until I was done. Like, I would get the Battle Pass. I would get the little cute emoticons <laughs> yeah. um, for playing Season 3 of yeah. Elden Ring. I would Pay $5 to board. revive. Yeah. I'd simp hard. Mm-hmm. But sorry, I didn't mean to take as much time um, with Shadow no, of the Tree. This is more interesting. I am very excited. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, we haven't actually talked about it all that much because it's like, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about speculation up to this point. Now it's at least locked in, right? So it's coming out in June. Um, mid, Mid-June, mid early June? Last time I guessed late June, and that was incorrect. So it has to be mid or early. I thought it was like around June 21st. I have to double check the Dang date. <laughs> maybe, um, I said, maybe I said mid-June and it's actually late June. Anyways. Yeah, I'm going to definitely need to schedule some PTO for that because I'm not going to be paying attention to work at all if I have this unbeaten Dark Souls game in front of me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, uh, man, Elden Ring's really good, though. That's the thing. Like, I I have wanted to go in and put more time into it, but I've been playing all these other games. That's the trick. And this is the we should grab. A multi-person party and do like the the seamless dlc mm-hmm. where i can play a specific class you can play a specific class we can have somebody else right yeah i was playing uh i was playing bloodborne a lot recently i went through and i 100 percented bloodborne well, i don't know if 100 percent. i got all the trophies and that basically is close to 100 um and i'm like i'm good on it now 
And like there are people who are like port bloodborne to PC and all this stuff. I'm like, eh, you don't think you really have to. Um it's fine if you don't, actually. It's not that it's bad, but it's also like it is aged. And in the process of consuming some content for Bloodborne, I kind of like realized how good of a game Elden Ring is more so because it really is just like all of the skill trees from all of these FromSoft Souls games and Bloodborne, it all just feeds into Elden Ring. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know to the extent that I went back and played it. And I'm like, dang, I gotta play Elden Ring. Then they released the, or they announced the DLC. So, Trick weapons, rally mechanic. Mm-hmm. That's sky, it. That's the whole sky babies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. Patches. It's, it's all there. It's all there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Maybe we'll have an anticipation episode, another anticipation episode on Erd Tree if they give us more information. Um, or the what we should do is we should have the uh, the Elden Ring Primer Guide, not Prima, Primer Guide. To Shadow of the Earth Tree. <laughs> it's just like, all right, this is what you got to do to get me ready for the expansion. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could also make uh, Shadow of the Earth Tree bingo cards. Mm, that would be good. That'd be really good. I think it's something that people don't do enough, but every time I hear about it, I'm like, that sounds kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It'd be, what we should do is have like a uh, a period leading up to the bingo card creation where we're just like, what do you guys think should be on the bingo cards? And then take some of those ideas and, and put them together. That would be cool. We're not starting now, though. Don't send any ideas. They'll be disqualified. <laughs> um, but Shadow of the Retreat, pretty cool. Uh, I've been playing Nightingale. And that's one of the things that led to me being like, Dave, we should call this episode Ignore the Main Quest. Uh, because in Elden Ring, you can... The only real designator for like what the main quest even is is you're like, is that gold thing vaguely pointing in that direction? Is that the way I'm supposed to go? And that's kind of it. Or just go to like the big thing on your map, right? Um, but otherwise, you are encouraged to ignore the main quest, and you absolutely can. So do whatever you want. You can't do that in Nightingale. And that's very sad because it's a survival crafting game. And it's a survival graft- crafting game that's like, in order to get the next layer of tech or unlock things or whatever, you have to do the main quest a lot of the time. And it's just depressing. Yeah, you told me about this, and I got sad for you. Yeah. Um, because I'm a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I really don't like that type of design. For how many times I've bitched about having to sit through credits or a mm-hmm. cutscene in Monster Hunter World. Um, and it is I, bad there. <laughs> it is so bad. Especially if like... the game crashes like after the credits, I think, in your case, and you had to redo the whole thing. Oh my... Well, I had to re- redo the credits. It was like another yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really don't like when the game designer essentially forces something onto the player, whether that's, hey... You have to sit through this, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you have to do this in this order. Okay, it sounds like less of a game and more like chores? Chores you're giving me? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's really fun to just I'm gonna go using Eldring as an example. I'm gonna go fuck off and explore random things. Holy shit, what's yeah. that? Holy shit, what's that? You put some markers on your map to follow up. Um, oh, I'm way too low level for this. Oh, I found a cool magic item. Like it feels good to discover and yeah. come upon some cool stuff versus what is a very scripted experience of here's the thing you do now. Yeah. Here's the next thing you do. Cool. Yeah, in our our play group, the thing that it kind of gets equated to sometimes is it feels kind of like MMO gating. Like, you're not high enough level for this. The gear is not high enough level for this. Using Elden Ring, for an example, if you do find yourself in, like, the wrong part of town, the wrong area of the map, like, you might find a really cool item in the ground. And you're just like, I think I just executed a speedrun strat. The answer is you didn't. But, like, maybe it's speedrun adjacent or it's an idea that could be used. But, like, just because you found some really cool item on the ground in an overleveled area doesn't mean necessarily that you broke the game. But it feels like you did. And that feels awesome, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, I am where I'm not supposed to be. I'm getting stuff I haven't even earned yet. I'm just going to grab this. I'm going to die. And I'm going to respawn over there, right? And uh, you can absolutely do that. In Nightingale, it's not so much like that. Like, almost everything is constrained behind these cards and gear. The Rome cards, which are a cool idea for develop, like basically opening instances with specific traits. And then the gear, which is pretty much just gear score from any MMO. But the issue is, like, if you go to a high-level area, and you're like, oh, cool, there's uh, minerals I've never seen before. You can't mine them. Like, your pickaxe isn't good enough, right? So, like... There's no cheating it to to get the content that you want, really. It's very much in the vein of you should be doing the main story. And I got to a point where, like, the main story was, like, specifically open this type of realm to get, like, to fight this creature, to get this this thing, and then you turn it in for a quest. And, like, the game, I didn't have the card for that type of realm. <laughs> so I've just been, like fluffing about trying to like I'm making cool stuff building some things gathering resources and stuff and eventually I was just like I don't think this card's gonna drop like I straight up don't think I can progress the main story and I looked it up and it's just something that the game just doesn't explain and it's just like ah, it's very frustrating it's very frustrating that's but yeah as you were talking it's like oh I'm gonna compare this to Valheim and that like doesn't Valheim do the same thing no it actually doesn't mm -hmm. um because you don't need the bosses to progress technology. Yeah. So you were well, talking about like chopping down trees, right? Well, you can chop down trees with your axe. It'll be yeah. less efficient. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't hit these stronger trees. Okay, you need a different resource. Yeah. But you can go out and get that, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's really stopping you from doing that. Now, maybe yeah, I... certain high-level stuff might be gated behind an area or a boss that's very dangerous. Um but at no point was I being forced to go and do something. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of those games, you want to make a cool base. Right. Um, explore around. Oh, this would be a cool spot for a base. Oh, what do I have access to? Okay, let's do a fucking treehouse, right? It allows mm -hmm. your creative juices to kind of stew, and then you can act on them. Right. Versus someone being like, you have to make this. Yeah. Before you do anything else. Yeah, I like I I would I would counter that Valheim actually I think it does explicitly block you in a couple spots where it's like oh we beat the boss now you can get 
iron tier something or whatever. But they also give you reasons to do all the lower level stuff. And just exploring gets you progress in ways that this game doesn't. Um, And it also is just like you're not the low level stuff's not outpaced dramatically. But in this game, it's very much like this is a tier two resource. You have tier one resource. Just throw the tier one resource away. Like you do not need that anymore. It's not situational. Now they have a bunch. I don't want to completely misrepresent it. They have like all these different types of ore for whatever tier. So this ore might be better for ranged weapons or melee weapons or clothes or whatever the crap. And I like that. That's a cool system. But is there any reason to go back to a realm, a low level realm once you have gotten the cards there? No, not really. No, it's, it's pretty much a waste of time. So the game has a long way to go, but so much of it is just like, if they completely let you have natural progression and continue to just like grow your character as you're just making better gear and exploring new places without the main story, requirement tied to that at all it would just straight up be better (laughs) right because then you could just like do what you want to do explore have a good time and go ahead but it's early access maybe they fix it i think right now it's deserved it's mixed on steam um but i don't know i I'm, i'm not gonna afford them both like positivity or negativity. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't. There's cool stuff in the game. Um, I'd like to see it succeed, but it's not guaranteed to. And who who makes this? this is this a big studio? Uh, I can't even remember the name of it. That's kind of unfortunate, but it's ex-Bioware devs, mostly. Like refugees mm. from Bioware, mm. which is also, I was joking in mm. Discord. That's probably the reason there's so much text in the game. Like bio, a Bioware dev is not satisfied unless they've like written a novel every day for whatever game they're working on. So that's true. Oh, there's there's a tons of different types of games, and definitely a whole host of people who can enjoy different types of things. Mm-hmm. But certain things, I feel, are kind of. I want to say objectively bad, even though I know it's still subjective to me. But I don't think if you were to make some of these changes that we're discussing as far as not limiting player options and progression, Mm -hmm. that people who are not, you know, gaming sticklers like us, they're not going to be worse for it. They're not Mm going to be like, oh, I hate that I have options. Yeah, right. You could still do the main quest. Yeah, 100%. It's like... That's the thing is you you have to if you're making a game, it's really important that for whatever gameplay loops you have, for whatever mechanics you have, like you're not putting people in a situation where they want to be interacting with some part of your game, but you're not letting them. Right. It's just like, oh, I want to go do this. Well, you can't do that because we said that you had to do this, this quest first. Right. Like that's just anti fun <laughs> would, would, would be kind of like a way to put it. Um. And the true survival crafting games, I think, are like the best at this. Like Seven Days to Die is the one I go back to where it's like, at least for one of the times we played, we could specialize. It could be like, oh, this person's going out. They're doing missions. They're adventuring. They're gathering loot. They're bringing it back. This person's farming. This person's building traps. This person's gathering resources, like all that stuff. Right. Like there are all I'm these the roles trap you guy. Could fulfill. Yeah. 
if you want wooden spikes in a game, I'm your man. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want them, they're still going to be there. Dave's in the game. He found his yes. way in. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck getting back to your house. It's booby traps. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like, why is my leg brow? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Do you remember the one time that uh, we were playing? This is early days of Rust. Mm-hmm. And we had like a, a kind of skirmish. Was we we had uh, an exchange with somebody who was right. further away. We didn't really know what their intentions were. It was at night. It was dark, and one of our players started firing upon this person. He was like, "I got shot! They, I got shot!" Uh huh. They didn't get shot. Um, they accidentally hit some of the spikes that I had placed, and somehow it clipped <laughs> the wall. So uh-huh. they took damage randomly. Um. They're like, all right, open up. They're coming right for us. Yeah. <laughs> it shows the damage indicators like you were hit from behind. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, friendly fire isn't. That's the uh, uh, the mantra from, I think, a Call of Duty kill stream or something like that. That isn't fire? What else would it be? <laughs> it's, uh, that's, uh, it's funny. Yeah, it's English is not being specific enough. Um. But yeah, I, I, I like those games where you can kind of contribute. And this game is also nothing against the group I'm playing with. Love them all. But like this type of game is kind of the type of game that you can just play on your own. So you don't and really that's have not a benefit from playing with other people outside of not just kind of there also. Not unless you want them to do things for you. And if you want to do things yourself, which is oftentimes the case, if you want to like play a video game. This game doesn't really encourage it, right? Um, or Seven Days to Die, there were so many things to do. It didn't feel bad if someone had placed a bunch of traps or crafted a bunch of food or something like that. It's just like, no, we're all contributing to the commune. And this one, it's like, if someone's crafting all the gear for me, what am I doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah, it just feels like you're being uplifted rather than earning your place. So we'll see, but... um yeah, that and Pal World <laughs> were the two games so far, and I think I had more fun with Pal World. Um, maybe Shadows of the Year Tree can d- d- dethrone it <laughs> for Game of the Years. I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna be close. Uh huh. I'm sure there's some other stuff coming out as well. Um, but I wanted to give my impression. I needed to spend some time on the podcast talking about it because I spent a lot of time playing it and I got to get something out of this. Um, The houses are cool. You can make really cool looking houses. So that's nice. Anyways, in my head, I'm going neat. Uh Um, Yeah. But at the same time, like I do actually like creating structures and Mm -hmm. making a little space. Um, but yeah, there I just are... haven't experienced it directly to see if it's the vibe for me. I would say wait. This is my this is my uh, bypass wait thing. I would wait on this game until it's in a slightly better state, and they they fix some of the issues as far as like pacing and content gating and maybe rationale to play multiplayer. I think it has the potential to be a decent single player game, but it also kind of plays like an MMO, and you don't want to play a single player game that plays like an MMO. Uh, So there's some stuff that they would need to solve before I I really recommend it. I will say, though, you can pick up things and then just move them. And that's really nice when a lot of games are like, oh, sorry, you you place that. Destroy it, right? Just destroy it. And this one is just like, oh, this bench is in a really stupid spot. You can just and drop it there, rotate it a little bit, you know, place it. 
That's nice. All games should do that, but not reason enough to play. I agree with your statement that games should give you that option. Mm-hmm. I don't think it many feels people bad to misclick. You're like, <sighs> you shouldn't uh, like breaking your own shit because it's off by five pixels. Yeah. God damn it! I also really like I really like the cards because I have this like realmic transmuter outside of my desert house. I just like occasionally feed it a cool card like. This card makes it so all the tools I make are better. This card makes it so it's low gravity and stamina recharges fast or something like that. And then I'm in a desert and I, for some reason, decided this was the place where I wanted to grow crops. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this card makes it so it's eter- an eternal storm and it's always raining. <laughs> and uh, I felt pretty smart for that. So that's cool. But. Again, not not a recommend. Not yet. Uh, I like some of the concepts in that. Yeah. It has cool ideas. They just need to fix the bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I really true. love for survival crafting the most? Hmm. Do you remember back in the days of Minecraft, there were some different mods that were coming out, hmm. one of which was the pocket dimension? Yeah. I love yeah, the ever-living fuck out of that. That was yeah. so cool. Because it's I like, hey, actually... where's your house? I'm like, in this little portal. And you mm-hmm. go there, and she's your own little space. But you well, can that also one might go into two other random doors you'd find out in the world. You're like, where's this going? Uh-huh. Yeah, we were talking about a related one in the lead-up to Nightingale. But one of the times we played together, we played with Mistcraft, which was like, you were basically taking words and putting them together to make like a page in a book and that page would be the portal and uh we had we recounted the story of like we all got together and we're like we just want like freaking diamonds and this was a heavily modded out version of minecraft where we had like i'm gonna call it like a world extractor cube that basically was just scanning the earth gathering everything in this massive it was just eating a chunk out of the Mm -hmm. world and it was just feeding into this uh, Tesseract, which was providing it power uh, from another dimension where we had like a reactor or something. And then the resources would get portaled into it and then be sorted out into all of these chests back at the main base. So we were just interdimensional scavengers, essentially. And we created a, a realm that was um, like the the main aspects were just like it's super flat. There are no enemies it's covered in diamonds and uh the the price we paid for that was it was a high volatile like volatility world it had a bunch of corruption that spread from block to block to block is like this pink sort of like inaccessible blocked texture thing we're just like all right go 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 we all just jump in the portal we set it up we get our like huge mining extractor we're like watching the corruption approach the extractor (laughs) as it's just like carving huge chunks out of the earth it was so fun and like I remember it as uh, I remember it very fondly in our time with Minecraft, um, but that was the better. The TLDR is uh, <laughs> g- give your players options for things. Yeah, exactly. Choose your own adventure. Um, if you have a linear game, I can understand if you force people to do the main quest. Yeah, <laughs> but and that's you- it's fine to have a game like that. Yeah, um, it's just when you have something that is open and gives you options for how to approach things 
mm-hmm. you should not narrow them into an alleyway and force them to do things. Yeah. Because like, even if it is like a fine thing to do, the fact that somebody's telling me I have to do it yeah. and it's gating other stuff upsets me greatly. Uh, yeah. And then I'm a spiteful individual, so I'm now going to hold it against you until I die. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did. I died in Nightingale trying to climb on top of this like Coliseum thing on the outside. I ran out of salmon and I fell and broke my legs and died. <laughs> Had to run back and grab my stuff. That's why, thank God, I've never... Uh, let me do the cross here. I've uh-huh. never broken my legs because I don't want to die in real life. Yes. Yeah, that's how they get you. That is how they get you. But if you've broken your legs in real life... I have no segue off of that, actually. No. <laughs> Tell us how. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, your miraculous recoveries, any incidences of miracles, supernatural phenomenon. We record all of that. Uh, send it in soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you can join our supernatural investigation squad on facebook facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast and as always we'll see you in the next one hello everybody and welcome to soapstone podcast my name is dave joined as always by my co-host jake how's it going tonight jake i'm not gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.